Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm your host Kat Couchy and today I'm really excited to be welcoming Lynn Howe onto the show and we're going to be talking all about how to create a mentally healthy workspace from the top to the bottom and the bottom to the top. So <laughs> this should be fun. All right, I'm going to bring Lynn onto the show. Hi Lynn, it's lovely to see Hello. you. Hello, <laughs> uh, lovely to meet you as well because I think we've um, we've kind of seen each other on online quite a lot, haven't we? We've never yeah. actually managed to connect so it's great yeah, to be exactly. with you. <laughs> yeah how are you how's your week been so far yeah really good thank you i've been um i've been editing my book so i'm doing a, a senko survival guide at the moment so that's come back for the publishing i'm doing all those um the polishing bits and oh, pieces yeah. before it all starts coming together so that's quite that's exciting no that's brilliant and um obviously i know you but um, some of our listeners might not so do you mind just doing a little introduction of yourself please yeah, lovely. Um, so I'm Lynn Howe and I've had 20 years primary teaching experience and in that time I have completed my MA, I've got my MBQH, um, my SENCO, I've been an assistant head so I've worked in about seven schools now so wow. um, some of the time I kind of found out how not to do it rather than how to do it so we've had lots of, learning. <laughs> lots of interesting experiences and um, and have left schools for various reasons which have all kind of added to my ability to support in in teacher well-being really mm. so I think it's an area I'm really passionate about because it's it's an area that I've had quite a lot of personal experience in which yeah. has not always been good but you know it's um it's helped my resilience levels so that's <laughs> so that's mm. good and um yeah more recently I've decided it was either up or out for me because um I've also a single parent so lack mm. of flexible working opportunities meant headship wasn't really the way forward yeah. for me at this time so I thought educational consultancy is for me so I decided to do that and then also got the teacher toolkit role as the editor mm. of that, which is very exciting as well yeah so, it's really exciting. yeah so I get, uh, my audience has grown slightly and um mm. and just over lockdown I started my positive young minds blog and I didn't yeah. realize at the time when I started it how instrumental it's been to kind of kickstart mm. my sort of next career off of really because mm. it was I only did it for fun so everything has kind of lined itself up quite nicely for me so uh, it's all good yeah. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's really brilliant and yeah your blog has been a massive hit and I think it's it's been really beneficial for a lot of people and I'm sure it's also helped you being able to write about some of your experiences and things as well yeah definitely, um, definitely. But it's actually developed into you've got a Facebook group as well haven't you I'd love to hear yes, a bit more about right. that because I think if yeah, you so, that a bit, it might help with today's talk as well brilliant yeah so my my Facebook group is supporting anyone in um within their career so mm. either changing their current working environment to to mm. be better wherever I mean sometimes you can't do that because yeah. it's a top down issue but kind of empowering people to to understand that they've got other decisions that they could make they can mm. um take care of themselves a bit better to be able to cope with with workloads and things like that and how to set their own workplace boundaries so that's one half of it and then the other half is more about people deciding to leave the profession or leave their mm. school so supporting them either to try another school because I'd always recommend trying a different workplace before deciding yeah. that that's it because often it's not the actual job that's the issue it's the environment that you're in yeah. so I always suggest to people that when they've had enough to actually try a different different workplace mm -hmm. to start with and then from there it's kind of getting people to understand their transferable skills because mm. a lot of the time they are so beaten down by <laughs> the school system yeah. and, and all the accountability side of things some of them have been put on um sort of capability targets rightly or wrongly and um, so mm. what individual cases of where in some instances it's not very well justified from mm. from our perspective um so it's just allowed those people to see that they have got other skills that they can take yeah. into other professions and how other professions actually really value ex-teachers because the mm. feedback from that as well is that um, there's so many skills that ex-teachers have and a lot of employers are like, wow, you've got an amazing work ethic. Mm. And you know, teachers don't understand that they are employable in other sectors. So it's kind of helping them through that as well. So yeah. plenty to unpick. I also offer sort of one-to-one -one chats and DMs for free because mm. obviously if, if I'm working with, 
um, a big group of teachers who are at the end of their tether. There's an awful lot of mental health wrapped up in that. So really, mm. I'm just trying to help them to to develop their their resilience and sort of talk them through various options as well. Mm. So, and my plan is for my website stuff. Once I start doing a few more webinars and things on my website, I'd like to mm. use that to fund some sort of individual coaching so teachers don't mm. have to pay for it because actually yeah, it's quite a big expense when money's so tight at the moment so it's kind yeah of, um, of course yeah hoping to fund that through through the website in the future so that's the plan mm. anyway <laughs> no that's great and I think um it's so important that teachers do understand that actually they do have a lot of transferable skills mm. um I think they forget and they kind of forget that imposter syndrome because it can be such a kind of highly critical and criticized role and there's just so yeah. many pressures so it's nice to be reminded. Since leaving the profession, I think I've had more praise in the first three months of leaving mm. than I've had in a decade. Yeah. So that just goes to show, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you, absolutely. It shouldn't be like that at all. It really shouldn't. It really shouldn't at all. Um, it is a real shame. But I think you're right as well that the uh, looking at a workplace is, is like the first and foremost one because actually sometimes people leave and they found another school and it's actually so much better for them um Definitely. so it's just good having someone to talk through those steps I guess and to yeah just just in them. terms of yeah. um of recruitment and retention mm. quite often you see I, I've got my local job paper that I like to look online and see yeah. what's 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 see coming what's up a bit nosy who's having a move around and it's yeah. interesting you, you often see a school with like five vacancies you're like mm. oh alarm bells are ringing so sometimes a new head might come in and um and change everything around mm. and I was actually chatting to John McGee the other day mm. he was saying oh. that one of his schools that he went in to start with um one of his first schools where all the kindness stuff was put in mm. place by a head teacher was going so brilliantly so well change of leadership and it mm. all went wrong and the children yeah. were sort of regressed really to how mm -hmm. how it used to be before he did his work so actually yeah but it's also a direct um example of how all the kindness stuff and the well-being for the children really had an impact on how yes. the schools run yeah and, absolutely um, yeah and obviously people vote with their feet don't they mm. <laughs> so yeah, when you've got no, quite a few people leaving <laughs> trying to yeah. ask some questions about yourself i think <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, it just shows what an impact that well-being has on on all aspects. Then, emergency, um, significantly negative impact, losing that valuable stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you're spot on that we really need those places. Um, so, in from your experience, what would you say are some of the kind of main pressure points that teaching staff are experiencing, or well, all school staff really? Oh, where can I start? <laughs> <laughs> I think um, accountability is massive. Mm. So I feel that leaders quite often, when when they're heart-centered teachers themselves, mm. they were they kind of understood it on on the ground level. And I've seen leaders get promoted and had experience of other people explaining to me where people have been promoted, and they kind of lose their I'd like to say integrity it might be strong mm. too strong a word <laughs> but in many instances <laughs> might be true in some cases though <laughs> through yeah. the um, external pressures you know whether that pressure's mm. from from governors or perceived pressure from Ofsted mm. and and head teachers etc so and that's always a bit depressing because that's when the school turns into more of an accountability model rather than yeah. sort of a heart-centered approach and and my understanding is that if you get the well-being right then mm. you you automatically get a good or better Ofsted because your yeah. staff will be happy your pupils will then in turn be happy so um talking to head teachers from ed round tables recently and mm. um, one of them was saying I, she doesn't look after the children. She doesn't see her role as supporting the children. She sees her role as supporting the staff well-being oh. so that they can support the children. So, yeah. And that was a better way of looking at it. I think a lot mm. of schools are very centred on just supporting those children and mm. then the staff kind of miss out. So the children's well-being comes before the staff's. Therefore, mm. the staff aren't that happy. Um, yeah. But actually, if you put it the other way around and you look after the staff as the head then actually the staff are then in the better position to look after the children. Mm. So yeah. that in turn improves everything. 
but also I feel that there's lots of things that that teachers have to put up with that mm. aren't necessarily good either mm. so yeah um, like learning walks for example mm-hmm. yeah um, or learn, <laughs> learning stalks of as I've heard them called yeah. so there's nothing, no, there's nothing worse is there when you're, you're you're teaching to have people in and out of your classroom the whole time mm. talking to children asking questions etc and you know it can be done so differently so my model of um, of learning walks would always be to advocate whoever the leader is you know just just come in class get a feel mm. and actually sit with that child that's causing the you know the most disruption to mm. give the teacher a hand and then yes. you can yeah, see exactly. what you're dealing with on a daily basis mm. and if it's a more friendly get involved style of learning walk mm. without the clipboard and the tick list and then in that way the teacher's going to welcome you in aren't they like oh thank yeah, you for exactly. extra pair of hands for 10 minutes and then at the end of the year when it comes to appraisals and performance management then you can always have a look across the year you know at what you've seen because if you're in class mm. every week you're not going to need official observations you know what that teacher's like yeah so, exactly and, and that's, that means there's less official stuff yeah and it's all friendly so it's probably more of a realistic yeah. picture of it as well rather than the pre-planned you've made Definitely. the teacher panic because they know you're coming in at Definitely. this time with a checklist absolutely it's, and of course there's yeah. still teachers that are going to need support with things mm. and there's, there's still teachers who have strengths and weaknesses in different areas but actually it can be managed a little bit more sensitively yeah. um so it's, it's it's a tricky one isn't it with 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 mm. senior leaders in and uh, and and teachers just to make getting that balance right but i'm pretty sure there is a, a better way of doing it than just yeah. breathing yeah and just so there's so much isn't there that teachers have to take on i just remember i think particularly since 2014 when that new curriculum came in i remember having yeah. a massive laugh Big with change. my colleagues <laughs> looking at the year one spelling list going <laughs> really yeah, <I> know, right? <laughs> really no. Yeah. no way there's no yeah, way the one was very um yeah <laughs> as well <laughs> so depressing and mm. the government statistics don't even add up i think the government has suggested that 90 percent of um year sixes have mm. to be are by 2030 but there's also at least and rising 15 percent mm. scnd so yeah if you put those statistics together, obviously some SCND children will be high achievers as well. Mm. But that number's rising and that doesn't even include your lowest 20%. So yeah. this doesn't even, the government expectations don't even match up. No, exactly. So <laughs> the shelf life of a, a new teacher is about five years at the moment. Mm. So yeah, it's a bit of a worry yeah. that um, teachers are burning out really, really quickly for one and mm. that means also that people are getting promoted too early without the experience behind them so that's an yeah. also another thing and I, even when I became an assistant head I was quite young I was 28 mm. and I remember just not knowing what I was doing I got this promotion <laughs> and I just went into this school and just made it up as I went along yeah. and unlike other professions where you kind of get training before you do the job so yeah. Seriously, exactly. I'm a trained profession, so mm. and that, that's just, just a few key examples of, of mm. issues for teachers at the moment. I could go on and on and on. Yeah, really. it feels like teachers can never really just be still, so they're always being given extra responsibilities and things. So like you say, kind of getting promoted too soon, or you can never really just kind of just focus on just being you in the classroom with your class. There's always something, so a subject you're expected to lead or, you know, whatever it is, there's always extra things. Um yeah. So it's and quite hard to people, definitely. Mm. And I think um because we're all empathetic, kind, nice souls, then we're just too used to saying yes to things. And I've said to yeah. my friends in other professions, Oh, I got asked to do this, and they would be like, Well, we just wouldn't do it. And there'd yeah. be no back to that. We'll just say no, it's fine. Mm. And so it doesn't really work like that in teaching. And the majority as well are female so mm. rightly or wrongly it's it's my underlying belief that kind of that gender bias means we're more likely to suck it up a bit mm. in some ways so that uh, that hasn't really been unpicked I don't think or or research no. that'll be interesting to me to research that mm. at some point yeah like definitely. Do at some point. maybe that could be it <laughs> the gender yeah. 
the differences of, um, of females in education. And mm, that would be very interesting because I think would. there's probably been more studies in that in other professions, but not so much in teaching. Yeah, so it'd be really interesting to see. Yeah, sure. Yeah, of course, so many pressure points for teachers. <laughs> and that was only a few. Um, what I was wondering, though, is have you kind of seen from your experiences being in schools and working with schools now as well, are there any particular groups that you feel in education are particularly pressured um, and are not kind of are getting less support than others? And how can we kind of improve on that? Um, I'd say that newly qualified early careers mm. teachers um, are a massive issue for support at the moment. So I've heard mm. of a lot of ECTs quitting before they've even managed to get through the first year, for example. Mm. So um, and whether that be the differences between the teacher training side of things and the reality of the pressures of the job, because mm. I don't know anyone who would recommend teaching to anyone at the moment and it's, it's another one of those things where when I when I did my teach training it was one place to 17 applicants mm. so although people were getting the grades they were weeding out people's personality wise that weren't mm. necessarily as suited to it um so but at the moment as far as I know, if you've got the grades, it's a bit more automatic because obviously it's a shortage at the moment. Yeah. So just in terms of personality, there's a lot more people teaching who perhaps wouldn't have been teaching mm. in you know many years ago when we had that competition for places. Yeah. So that's one aspect of it. Um, I sometimes wonder what they do in teacher training because it mm. does seem in many ways slightly far removed from the job or there's not enough... Mm information in key areas such as special needs is a is a, a massive one that there's a lack of yeah, um, knowledge and understanding about when when mm. teachers come into school and of course once they've completed their early careers year then the next year is even harder because that layer of support once they've passed is out and then on top of that is the fact that many of them have not actually had proper placements because we had a pandemic mm. So they pass their teacher yeah, training. Yeah, that's true. Is that an online lesson, maybe. That's definitely, just, definitely. That's crazy. I mean, you know, needs must, and there's nothing we can do no, about that, course. really. But it mm. just means extra layers of support that schools haven't got necessarily yeah. in place, and some ACTs just feel unsupported by mm. their schools because the schools are so stretched with resources and things. They're doing extra things I don't know coordinating subjects yeah. they shouldn't be and mm. um not having enough release time or having their release time cancelled so it's mm. just a whole massive load of factors really that yeah. are, are not not helping there and then mm. at the other end of the spectrum I mentioned LSAs because there's mm. also an LSA shortage at the moment and again mm. cost of living means that they'd be much better off going to work in a supermarket yeah and um, it's such a massive job and such a difficult job, right? It is. It. So undervalued and as well. And it so is, totally. It's, um, it's, it's criminal, really. And when I used to do my appraisals for my LSAs, I just used, used it as an opportunity to really big them up because, mm. yeah, again, they're a group that don't get enough praise and they're no, often they a group that are very concerned about doing the right thing all the time and very worried about making sure their intervention is, is high quality. I mean, they're normally doing mm. a really good job and, you know, just yeah, need a few tweaks here and there, but they're just, they're very worried about it generally. Mm. And they're so caring and compassionate and they're, they're also taken advantage of. I've known of LSAs yeah. who have been used as cover for teachers and yeah. on a long-term basis and not getting the money for it. So, um, yeah, and that one-to-one -one LSA with that child that's high, with high needs, it's really challenging mm. day in and day out. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. they're saints, aren't they, really? Mm. <laughs> so all of those things added up and, and trying to... Make it get paid more to go to, test, to work at Tesco and, and not Absolutely. deal with as many pressures. And that also yeah. means that we're not getting the calibre of LSAs through the door. No. As well, so particularly in areas of um, of deprivation, because often mm. LSAs come from the locality, so mm. that's another another they factor. They need yeah. the money, yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's so that's two groups, and then yeah. I guess if I went for a third, I'd probably go for head teachers because mm. 
no one's thinking about their well-being <laughs> they're just burning out as well left right and center and it's yeah. a, a difficult situation they're running around ragged trying to support their staff in schools mm. and um at the same time they're not looking after themselves so yeah I spent a lot of time recently with um head teachers in various networking events and you know fantastic leaders fantastic people but they're a lot of them are not sure how long that they can keep up the pace mm. So. yeah it's hard I think because they are kind of at that top in the hierarchy it's like no one's looking out for them like you say there's yeah. not really someone kind of that's checking in on them and kind of providing them with support um, definitely no, I've just written a piece for um for education support just outlining mm. the the fun you know as a leader it's great to show that vulnerability and if it's a, a happy well-being led school then actually mm. your team will rally around you if you've got if you need yeah. support but the ability to take that mask off when you're trying to be perceived mm. as a strong leader yeah, it's a really fun. fine balancing act because it's you also don't yeah. want to overshare either do you no, I mean, no exactly. well. you need to so, maintain um, that authority that's that's yeah. a tough balance so getting that balance particularly mm. if you've got um challenging governors who don't really understand the realities as well sometimes mm. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's where some of that kind of that key delegation and things like that come in. So kind of taking some of those things away from themselves that are causing them those pressure points. So they've got more space to focus Definitely. on their well-being and you know, in however they want to do that. Or even getting a, a, a coach of some sort of... Yeah, um, coaching's a big one, one, absolutely. Definitely. And, you know, that's the sort of thing that everyone ought to have some sort of access to. Mm. And also just to be able to charge that to the school because if it's going to support the headship and your mm. longevity as a leader then actually that's quite a good investment for a school to pay for a leader's coaching just because mm. actually it takes a third party sometimes to spell out what you're not doing for yourself yeah so, exactly it's like you know, someone who's coming at it from a totally different perspective who's not in it yeah if I said to a head teacher what do you do in the week no name mm. one thing each week that brings you joy Mm. Um, some of them wouldn't be able to answer that because they're just yeah, so just really sad. yeah it's yeah mm. yeah that's hard if it's at that point it's uh yeah do you feel for them so um as we've kind of well as we've already touched on I guess uh, mental health issues are quite prevalent in education and um have been for a long time um is this improving at all from what you've seen um I would say that it's not improving as such, but mm. there is a lot more out there in terms of knowledge and understanding of yes. it. When I started teaching, well, that's really good. it wasn't really a thing. So twenty years ago, you know, no one really mentioned teacher mm. well being. You just gone with it. But at the same time, there wasn't the amount of work to do that there is now. So I just yeah. remember being able to if you could control your class and basically got some of them to make some progress that was about all you needed to manage really year in year out and I just remember some schools I worked in it was I, I actually had fun <laughs> wow fun Friday lunchtime and you know a pint and come back and and yeah. chill out and do a bit of golden time in the afternoon and that was that really <laughs> oh, golden time yeah um, yeah it's brilliant great times <laughs> and I, you know, I've made some lifelong friends from that particular school which has been fantastic yeah I've probably got the time to actually get to know each other and things you know lots of bonding there yeah and that, but in recent years it's just not not been feasible for staff to yeah. be able to to do that and and mental health wise although mm. I'd say in the last 10 years it's probably the start of, of when the well-being sort of movement I guess started and people mm. looked at a bit more about teacher well-being and I think pandemic wise that has really helped support everybody's well-being a bit more into focus isn't it yeah. However, I think although the information is going upwards, mm. so is the amount of people that need it. So it's kind yeah. of, um, you know, the graph would correlate between the but amount of prevention part, isn't it, of the like kind of catching it yeah. before it becomes as much of an issue. Because obviously everyone has their thing, has, you know, mm. difficulties at times, but it's, it's that bit's missing where it becomes a persistent issue. Um, yeah. Not kind and of do doctors as well. And I'd always, mm. you know, recommend people reach out to their doctors, but having yeah. been on that, 
um, that journey myself, it's a bit worrying when it's an environmental stress, how quickly they offer you antidepressants and you yes. know and things yeah. that you don't actually need because it's yeah. an environmental stress issue. So you take away the stress, you take, mm-hmm. you know, you take away the um, the need for any support in, in many ways. And obviously mm-hmm. yeah. lots of people have mental health in their personal lives, which do require a lot more um, delving into and support yeah, such as you know, and, and antidepressants or whatever you need to take, etc., and counselling. Mm-hmm. But if it's environmental stress, then it's like banging your head against a wall, isn't it? If you yeah. want to stop it hurting, you're just going to stop banging it. So from that perspective, if you can just remove the stressor and mm-hmm. do something else that's not going to cause you stress, you've automatically solved your own problem. And I've mm-hmm. just heard of, of cases where um, there's been staff in schools who've got you know, not just mental health issues, but physical health issues. Mm. As soon as they've stopped teaching, they, it's gone. Yeah. You know, it's things wow. like, I don't know, um, a lady had a lot of eczema issues mm. and she couldn't she couldn't get it sorted, ended up going off sick. And as soon as the, um, the, the stress has stopped, it's environmental stress causing yeah. physical symptoms. It does cause so many physical symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. And also mm. teachers don't really have enough time to take care of themselves and are terrible for mm. actually being off if they're sick and stuff. So that can exacerbate anything Definitely. physical as well. Things like insomnia, you know, bad eating habits, lack of exercise, all those yeah. small things kind of add up as well. So there is a lot more support out there, but in some ways I just think it's a sticking plaster mm. over the actual issues. So, yeah, And I'm not agree. convinced that the actual issues are going to sort themselves out until the government level kind of understands what pressures we're under mm. and kind of changes things for the better, really. So... I would welcome some government reform. I'd welcome mm. the opportunity to speak to the government at some point <laughs> about that because that's yeah, kind of exactly. also where I am advocating for the teaching profession. Mm. And as as higher up as I can get, you know, I'm, mm. I'm all up for it, up for it, yeah. <laughs> etc. So maybe they do need to. They do need to talk to more people that are actually in schools experiencing these things rather mm. than making decisions based on what they think will be helpful or what they think is going on. And to be um a more direct conversation definitely even if i think of like where often also come in and they ask the well-being question mm. no one wants to drop their school in it by saying it's a terrible place to work do they I no. mean, it's, <laughs> so it's kind of a fake you know they've probably, probably mm. got statistics about all these schools it's like yes it's a great place to work but you know, realistically you're not going to be the one that drops your school in it and says no yeah yeah exactly um so we've talked about some of the challenges for schools in supporting mental health so things like we talked about the fact that the new curriculum um kind of made a huge difference in accountability and not having that kind of government reform what are some of the other challenges for schools in supporting good mental health um i would say um post pandemic has been a massive issue Mm. as well because I don't know, I had it in my head when I was writing over the pandemic. I had this real idea that this would be a perfect time to reset all the thinking around around schools and, mm. and mental health and and working on well-being at the heart. And it would be a perfect time to actually reset everything and start again with kindness at the centre. But I was clearly deluded because <laughs> I think a lot of staff have gone back after the pandemic just to find that it's it's kind of exactly the same as it was yeah at least, or at least it's very at the best it's exactly the same mm. at the worst it's worse so just it in just terms of so sad that like no lessons really got learned and brought through no, in that respect no. I guess if you think about history and all the lessons oh. that could have been learned through history, never learns a lesson yeah. from history. So yeah, it's just frightening the way that it just accountability has got worse, and mm. people have kind of forgotten that there's been a pandemic, and you've expected just to pick up oh, where you left yeah. off. Yeah, and just with all these children that have missed so many chunks of school mm. as well. So talking to yeah colleagues about their year one and um, reception cohorts mm. um, they found them particularly challenging and mm. they've really noticed the difference with that lack of preschool that those children have had yeah. on the plus side it does highlight the amazing preschool experiences these children get 
because mm. actually there's the difference you know, had a very big difference without that yeah. and again it's those deprived areas that have suffered because mm. at my children's school they you know the home learning got done basically and everyone was okay over lockdown mm. there wasn't any massive issues so the head teacher sort of said well actually we haven't noticed that much of a dip Whereas, again, it's the deprived areas who, you know, some of the children we didn't see over lockdown. Yeah, you know, we don't have access and just... Go around, oh. social services weren't doing much. We literally, mm. they dropped off the planet for a year. Yeah. And that, that That's pretty scary, scary, actually. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was a bit of a worry for some families. And that, just that mm. gap, again, you know, we were trying so hard to, to reduce that gap with them. Um, mm. you know, with the attainment etc but it's just as even wider than it was to start with so yeah yeah it's just ongoing issues there which I think is going to take a few few years to iron out definitely mm. yeah no that makes a lot of sense it was interesting as well I had um a recording with Georgina Durham and uh she said how it's it's just things that you don't think about like the fact that kids have kind of missed their opportunities to learn through play at school so all those children that haven't really had much experience with early years and stuff and all of a sudden they're in the older key stages and they don't get to play and explore and learn in that way yeah I totally agree with that and all huge experiences speech and language as well there's so many children doing um in schools at the moment I'm doing a lot of support with Mm. with year one children and reception children around their speech and language because actually there's no speech therapists available Mm. there's um like an 18 month waiting list and although I'm not a speech therapist I can kind of set targets for the children so I'm kind of an interim sort of person that can support with that but the need is so great at the moment because there hasn't been that access to to speech and language in in school and children haven't had that that good um quality conversations that they get Mm. in preschool than school yeah exactly yeah I've really missed all that another factor Mm. yeah yeah you're absolutely right that kind of the whole post-pandemic is is huge in that for sure so if we're thinking about kind of mental health obviously it's very tempting for schools to kind of get into like tokenistic approaches and things but I'm thinking more if we look at how a school could like underpin it so it's really kind of it's part of their values it's within their environment how can they go about that? So first of all there's actually a government wellbeing charter which is Mm. published at the moment. So that would be a good starting place to go to just in terms of making sure that those things are at the heart of of the school. So one of the things that I've been working on as well is actually making a a kind of a bespoke programme just to support wellbeing because wellbeing sometimes with a big company is just an add-on again. So you complete your annual survey, it all Mm. goes in, nothing really changes and then you do it again the next year and nothing's really changed so from a leader's perspective oh yes we're taking on the views of the the staff Mm. but from the staff's perspective it's like well actually nothing's changing what's the point of me doing this survey so Mm. so my my idea is more of a triangulation approach in which Mm. it's a kind of a, a bespoke survey to support the schools to start with and actually getting into schools and talking to staff and just walking around and just seeing what the atmosphere is like and just you know seeing how how happy people are around school because you know it has been done and it has been done well so it takes a while to evolve but if you can get that well-being deep into your values then you know Mm. that's a really good start but it does have to start from the top yes yeah. If your your leadership team are not on board with it, then mm. it's going to be very difficult for one thing. And it does take your leadership team and particularly your head to be able to show that level of vulnerability to start with, mm. to start taking the mask off, to start to start listening as well as just hearing. So actually taking on board people's feedback, not being scared of what they're going to say. Yeah to you as well so you know communication that's something that's generally terrible in most schools and Mm. actually listening to people's ideas and views and rather than then going your own way actually putting in their ideas and views as well and and Mm. making it more of a team so yeah there's so many little things to do so many marginal Mm. gains that all link together to make a 
very happy place to work in and just saying thank you really and mm. we all spend so yeah, much isn't what you said about praise just a lack of praise in schools so yeah much so gratitude and you know and i've heard of um in schools that i've worked in staff mm. speaking to each other you wouldn't speak to a child like that and if you spoke yeah, so to a child like that like it would that. be shocking and you'd probably get some sort of discipline disciplinary but it's all right for the head to speak to you like that so it's just that mutual respect. So again, you know, it's that thing where if the environment is not conducive to your good well-being as a teacher, just thinking about whether you can actually work with colleagues to shift that as much as you can, or whether you can put your personal boundaries in to make it tolerable and fine yeah. to work and if you want to stay there, or whether you, know, you vote with your feet and think actually the leadership dictates that um, it's not a, a well-being mm -hmm. school to work in yeah, so, no, yeah I'm I'm there, but de definitely starting with that mutual respect and mm. starting with that well-being charter it's just things like um having autonomy to do your work it's such mm. a small thing isn't it but actually yeah. being trusted to do your job rather than micromanage that's a good start so that makes a huge difference yeah definitely it's, it's not easy and it takes yeah. time i reckon it would take about three years to embed this properly but mm. it, once it's all embedded then the, it's amazing then what you can do because you know as, as anyone knows you get a good Ofsted once you've got your good you, you're a bit more free to do what you like really so mm. if your school's built on, built on well-being and you're getting the results because your staff are happy and your children are happy then you can be innovative with what you do and you can have a bit yeah. more fun with it so and no one's going to question you if you get in those results you know, mm. you know um head teachers across the country who've got very difficult schools and have still still managed it with very challenging mm. circumstances so about yeah exactly. it's about being outward facing and looking what other people are doing as well mm. yeah not kind of not being afraid to ask for help and learn from other schools mm. and yeah absolutely I think um, leadership over the last decade as well has really shifted because, again, mm. when I first became a leader, it was the case where you were meant to be the positive one. You were meant to have the knowledge. You were meant mm. to be able to lead. I heard on my MPQA, just like, well, you're paid to smile. Not yes. <laughs> yes, you need, to, um, you need to show that you're, you know, you're positive in the face of adversity. Mm. But at the same time, if there's a massive issue, you also need to be human. You need yeah. to be, and, and things like that. And it's just, mm. just small things like letting your staff go to see their own children's Christmas plays. Yeah, that's very true, actually. That's come through um, for the relationships report that I'm doing and kind of how teaching can affect on relationships. Um, things like not having the opportunity to drop off kids at school or not being able to go see the Christmas plays or all those sorts of things yeah. are mentioned. Very important. Um, as issues there. Yeah. School's all about kids, unless it's your own mm. kids, basically. Yeah, um, exactly. And I think I've never pulled a sticky in, in my life except for mm. one time where I thought, well, I want to see my child's Christmas play. I know yeah. I will not be allowed to go. So either I ask and get declined yeah, or take a day off sick and go. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that's the only reason I would ever take a sickie because mm. my school had such little well-being that they wouldn't let yeah, me go and exactly. see their own child's Christmas play. Mm. But you're still expected to run one for 90 kids yes. in your year group. And yeah, and all their parents. Parents to come and support it. It is. It really is. Um, so that was obviously kind of some of the good practice. What do you think are some common misconceptions for improving well-being and mental health in schools? Um, I think mainly it's that sticking plaster effect. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I'm not keen on is the staff room shout out board. <laughs> so, all those emails that come around <laughs> once a month saying, yeah. oh, Mrs. Hobbs has done an amazing job with the music display. Well done, mm -hmm. Mrs. Hobbs. Good job. And um, Mrs. Hobbs is probably dying on the spot <laughs> because yeah. she's so embarrassed about it. Or the people who just sort of turn up and do, do stuff all the time and just mm -hmm. get on with it and do their job. 
are not getting any credit and actually right. some of those people have probably got the best idea about boundaries than, compared to the rest of them yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's the same as that star chart in the school isn't it you get mm. the children the public star charts in the classroom as um you know had in years gone by you've got the children who never got any stars because mm. they're, they're trying their best but actually they're not able to conform to a traditional classroom way yeah. of doing things and then you've got your high flyers who are automatically mm -hmm. great all the time and then you've got this massive chunk in the middle that are mm -hmm. invisible and you can apply that principle to the staff in your school as yeah. well so yeah That's so I'm point. not really into um public well dones and things like that but then you're gonna people... have snaps snaps that's my my a bit of an introvert yeah. so personally i just mm. get really embarrassed but then there are other people on the other side of it who mm. thrive with that sort of public mm. display of, of gratitude so i think perhaps it's mm. about knowing your staff in that situation yeah. and things like that and i think yeah th another misconception would be about supporting the children at the detriment of the staff as i mentioned mm. earlier just making sure yeah. if, making sure the children are fine and ignoring your staff then then that's not so good either so mm. yeah there's quite a few things that that are are a bit tricky at the moment and you really mm. want to encourage your staff to communicate with you if there's an issue um so for example I split up with my husband while I was um, working in a school and I didn't really want to tell anybody at the time. No. I felt comfortable enough to tell my head teacher mm. because actually I thought if I fly off the handle for a very ridiculously small reason, <laughs> you, know, you want to know have some sort of public meltdown. Yeah. I need somebody to know that I haven't <laughs> just gone crazy. Actually, there's a good reason behind yeah. it. It's having the confidence or just making sure your staff have got the confidence to speak to you about mm. things as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. it would be horrible working somewhere where something like that was going on and you felt like you couldn't talk to your boss or anyone. It's um, absolutely that's not yes. an environment you want to be in. No. No, I think that, that fake happiness is, is a bit mm. of a problem as well, the misconception. That, yes. that pay to smile thing, it's kind of papering over the cracks mm. and the head sort of going or whoever, oh, yeah, it's all fine, it's all great here, but not actually listening mm. carefully to, to what's happening underneath or if you're yeah. staying in your office the whole time, you don't really get a view of, of what's actually going on over the school. So, mm. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah. Um, so we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but how does the kind of the mental kind of well happiness of staff impact on pupils really i'm curious uh, so i think it is a lot to do with the pupils and mm. i know myself when i've been happiest is when i've been the best teacher basically mm. so uh, in a school where i'm i feel comfortable in what i'm doing because i'm not over scrutinized and mm. i'm left to do my job and I've got support where there is a pupil or pupils in class who are challenging. Mm. I know I've got leadership support to support me with those children to support inclusion, etc. Mm. And yeah, and in those situations, in that perfect environment, then yes, happy, smiley teacher. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that happy, smiley teacher has a lot more time for those one-to-one -one conversations yeah. with pupils. And pupils feel a lot more respected and liked. And mm. if I think about the comparison to the beginning of my career and the end, mm. uh, end of, say the end of my career, <laughs> the end of my career in schools, mm. The, the actual individual conversations I was having with children, I was so concerned about shoving curriculum down their throats. Mm. Actually, I didn't have the time for those one-to-one -one connections that primary school mm. children really need because after yeah, their parents, you see them most of the time. Mm. So if you're in a, a school with well-being at the heart and you're not over-scrutinised and you you are trusted to do your job and mm. you know, if you shout for help, somebody comes then I think in that instance, those children are going to thrive a lot better mm -hmm. than in, in other situations. So, And they know that they're liked and, and respected. Yeah. No, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. It all kind of feeds into each other, doesn't it? Um, mm -hmm. And what about in terms of retention? How does a mentally healthy school impact on that? Well, you don't see the uh, the job adverts very often. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where. Probably not going to get five vacancies <laughs> popping up a year. We're not at one school I worked in. There was very. I only. I did a temporary job there. It's a maternity mm. cover, 
at the time and it was very difficult to get a job there because people mm. were staying there mm. you know 20 years some of them wow 25 years and it's very difficult to get your foot in the door because yeah. once you're there you never it's you never there. left effectively and mm. I said to the head because obviously every every school has their little gripes and moans and mm. some of the staff were sort of having a little moan about something I said to him you know you send them to me if they moan at you because I'll tell them what it's like in the real world. <laughs> so they don't know they're born, some of these teachers are having a lovely time and they just don't realise it. So, <laughs> so there is that situation as well. With, um, mm. with, yeah, they were very cosy within in their school and it was all, mm. all going very well. So, so yeah, head teacher got it right there and retention mm. and recruitment were, were sorted. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of reasons why, why people leave. And as a good head... You shouldn't be trying to hang on to your staff because mm. you, you don't want them to get promoted because they'll leave. So that is another issue. If you've got a mm. good teacher, you need That's to be developing point. them. And yes, they will eventually want to fly the nest and go somewhere else. And you just need mm. to let them because that's you know yeah. that's just the way it is. Um, so just trying to get the right staff to start with who um, complement you and your team mm. is quite a challenge. So and you just need a mix of people. So a school that's full of early careers teachers for example if you've got mm. six classes and four ECTs then that's a recipe for disaster isn't it? Mm. Unless I mean sometimes you get different demographics of, of the ECT so they do balance out but you know it's, mm. it wouldn't be my ideal scenario mm. I've worked in schools with unqualified teachers um, yeah. who were it's a majority unqualified teachers and that's not mm. a great scenario either so no. I think it's about balance of experience as well and just having enough people for the middle tier of leadership mm. sort of the people who've been teaching sort of 10 to 15 years but again mm. they're all um they're all leaving as well so <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's quite difficult you need a kind of a good a good basis of, of variety in terms of number of years experience definitely yeah yeah no I agree that's that's important and everyone kind of brings something different to the table Mm, and and also your skills need to be used and appreciated I know mm. that some some schools I've been like well, I don't want to admit I can actually do that because <laughs> I'm not going to get an extra job <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, maybe someone says they can play the piano that's it for the next five years isn't it you know mm. it's a free assembly <laughs> yeah be like that we should be you know we should be wanting to share our talents with the world because mm. you know that's it makes everyone happier, isn't it? If, if yeah, you can share your talents with confidence, then yeah. and great. So, mm. yeah, recruitment and retention, mm. two massive issues at the moment. Absolutely. I can only help that it will, hope it will get better in the future, really. Mm. And are there some examples of good practice that you've seen kind of in UK schools or, you know, era that even heard of internationally that we can be looking to? Um, yes, so I've seen schools with a really good buddy system. So mm. you have um, like you buddied up with another member of staff, and it's not the same personal year either. So it changes every term, mm. and you end up kind of doing you encourage you like random acts of kindness for that person, for example. Mm. So you might leave them uh, get to make make the tea for them or cover a mm. break duty, just things like that. But also be somebody who is going to look out for them just in terms of mental yeah. health because we all I think we all know we've got our our triggers that we yes. um, certain behaviors that we know that we display when we're getting a bit twitchy so for example mm. I completely lose my sense of humor if, uh, <laughs> if it's, <all> going, <laughs> it's just not a good sign anymore. <laughs> so if that happens to me then mm. you know people might not necessarily pick up on that or my mm. I think my standard response or how are you today I'm like living the dream <laughs> So, and if anyway, I start saying that, then I, we know it's not not going quite so well. So, but it's it's working with another individual as a buddy mm. stroke sort of coach, just to mm. just for your mental health and well being, and just to support you in encouraging you to speak up if you've got problems, or even just mm. noticing that there is a problem, and then you kind mm. of you can switch sort of every term, so you just work with someone different and get mm. ins and outs of their. Um, of their lives really because building those relationships is is just so important and I think yes. schools that really do well with the well-being is where the head teacher knows 
obviously the names of the staff for a start and you know knows how many kids they've got what their kids yeah. are doing at school or university or what their hobbies yeah. are and you know and that, that one of their mums has cancer and is not going to live and it's just a whole it's load of stuff yeah that really personal touch and building those relationships and if if the head teacher's got that and the relationship yeah. is there those staff will do anything for them Mm. as soon as there's a problem they'll all be all over it they'll all be on mm. board with it and yeah so relationships yeah. Are definitely key and they'll spot kind of signs if they know their staff that well they'll spot signs when things aren't right and they'll kind of know yeah you know when to expect things we'll sat through those nice. staff meetings where everyone's a bit silent thinking, yeah no it's <laughs> not good it's not good. <laughs> not good and no one yeah no one says anything and the head's mm. not reading the room <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah that's not good <laughs> oh no oh well, thank you then you've been brilliant um the only thing really I wanted to check before we finish was where can schools go to get some good support and resources for mental health and well-being and also what's the best way to get in touch with you for support as well brilliant so yeah lots of ways to get in contact with me so um i'm linkedin and i'm on um positive young minds facebook page mm-hmm. um positive young minds website as well so that's got lots of blogs on it to support mm-hmm. it's got like life after teaching it's got a specific senko section as well because i do a lot of work with mm-hmm. senkos and senko training and also mm-hmm. advocate for uh, senko well-being as well which is a massive issue as well at mm-hmm. the moment. yeah i, I can imagine they're kind um, of siloed in the school almost aren't they um, yeah definitely yeah. definitely no i think as well because um senkoing is such an individual role you can mm. be really lonely because you're the yeah. only one often so i've been doing lots of support for senkos mm. recently That's really good. um so how else you contact me i've got um yeah you can just dm me to be honest <laughs> on facebook so just dm yeah. me and, and i've got a consultancy page on my website which mm. kind of outlines all the all the bits and pieces i do in terms of well-being yeah. and i've also Brilliant. got that well-being um facebook group as well which you can find mm. I suppose you've got some show notes, have you, to go out? Yes, yeah, I'll pop everything on there as well, so there's links so you can do that. I mean, other places I would uh, recommend education support because they're a charity Mm -hmm. and uh, some people haven't even heard of them, but they do so much for for individuals and they can advise for... um, for support in terms of whether you're going through problems with your school or personal they can sort of signpost you to counselling as well as they've got lots of useful blogs on there also Mm. um also your union if you need advice Mm. and I'd also like to add make sure you're in a union please yeah I think that's very important never joined up and of course when it all goes wrong that's when you Mm. need your union so you use them for any advice that you need particularly in terms of employment issues as well Mm. yeah no those are all really good points well thank you so much Lynn it's been a pleasure having you on you're welcome thanks for inviting me